How's it going folks? Johnny Constable from the Amos Steel Company here in Hibley Caviar Studios. You're watching Guitar Tales with Dave Cohn. All Dave, all Dave. Get you some. All Dave, all day. <laughs> Thank you, Johnny Compton. I love that. Uh, welcome to Guitar Tales. Uh, we also want to take this opportunity uh, to thank a great friend of the show, Charles Larita, uh, who is the owner and proprietor of Mischief Studios in Pennington, New Jersey. Uh, they've been a sponsor of the show for a few episodes now. And if you have any kind of guitar needs, and I mean any kind of guitar needs, uh, go to Mischief Studios. Uh, in the first instance, uh, Charles is a phenomenal guitar player. He gives lessons. Um, he is a great songwriter. I will bet you a nickel if you need help writing music, Charles will help you out. Uh, if you have something like this, which I have not shown our guest yet, a broken guitar that's from 1930, look at that. Um, he could fix it for you because he has got a whole um, craftsman studio in there where he helps people fix guitars. He will um, work on guitars. He'll set them up for you. Um, and if you want to record at Mischief Studios. They have a top shelf recording studio. He also has his uh, finger on the pulse of all the local musicians around there. So if you have, say, two thirds of a band that wants to uh, record, he'll bring you together with other musicians and they will help you get something uh, really special together. So again, that's Mischief Studios as our uh, sponsor here at Guitar Tales. And before we jump into the show, I always like to give a great shout out to Scott Guitarmacist Engel, our erstwhile a new term we're using for him, uh, publicist who puts the show together. He's also back in the studio uh, at Noise Network Studios uh, doing all of the magical things that put our show together. Uh, and without further ado, we have an extraordinarily special guest tonight. Uh, hopefully your head won't get too big to fit in the studio here with us. Uh, but we have the great Phil X with us. And I mean great. Uh, Phil has been the lead guitar player for Bon Jovi uh, for many, many years. He's been with the band since around 2011 or so. Uh, he's been with Triumph. I heard a rumor that he uh, was on The Tonight Show with my friend Todd when he was a producer there. Uh, he was with Alice Cooper, has recorded on many, many albums, has traveled the world, and, and perhaps more importantly for purposes of this show, is an extremely highly regarded craftsman on the guitar, um, both as a player and as, as I've learned from a little bit of my research in terms of building things for guitar. As much as we were chatting before we went on, I've learned that uh, he knows a thing or three about pickups, designed um, a whammy bar of his own, uh, so really has accomplished some great things in only 20 years on this planet. Uh, so Phil X, thanks for joining He's laughing. Thanks for joining us. 20 years on this planet. Wow. That's a long 20 years, man. <laughs> How you doing, Dave? I am fantastic. Uh, awesome. We've been having a good time chatting before we uh, started taping, but we, we really are. We're, we're, we're honored and thrilled to have you on the show. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, I'm, I'm happy to be here, man. I mean, it's always, it's always cool to geek out about guitars and guitar players and the gear and all that stuff. It's like, how do you... How do you, how do you go on if you don't do that? Right? And that's a really good point. And, you know, I, I like it too, because it's getting into a piece of it. That's not just sort of 
going through a chronology. I mean, I want to get into your biography, sure as hell, but I love to hear about the things that that make guitar players tick that that you know are near and dear to their hearts. And what do you think it is about us that makes us love the gear? Well, you know, I think, I, I, I've, I've been saying this for years, but I think we're the new nerd. Isn't yeah. it weird? Instead of having like a pocket protector with like eight pencils, we all have right. like numerous guitars, numerous amps, numerous pedals, and uh, it's 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 basically our palette with which we paint. Yeah. And I just, I mean, there's so much available to us, and that's that's what uh, that's what it's it's funny because I'm I'm the guy. It's, it's you know a guitar made for me and a guitar and a pickup made for me and an amp made for me with all my endorsements and stuff. Right. But then when people are like, "Hey, man." What what hey wow that video sounds great. What what guitar is that? What pickup is that? What amp is that? And I'm like, it doesn't fucking matter. That's right. That's right. Scott, sorry, Scott. You fucking curse. Like I'm really sorry. If it's these hands, it's, it sounds like me. It's gonna, you know. <laughs> it it is great. You know, we had um we we did an entire show <laughs> Scott just it's so funny. We could watch Scott texting and he said, fuck it. I'm seeing that right now. Yeah, I know because you talked about not keeping it clean yeah. for the kitties. That's right, kitties. You just cover so, your earmuffs. I'm earmuffs. trying to keep that my only f bomb. Okay. Wait, oh, what happened to my f? I had it. Oh man, it's gone. Oh, okay, fuck it. don't worry about it. Right. <laughs> so we did an entire show, and I know you're a pickup guy. And I told you in the pre-show, all I have behind me are P90s. I know you're partial to P90s. So we've got my bootlegger guitars back here because they're my only guitar. Although I cheated a little bit. I keep forgetting. We've got a, a little lipstick one over there, but everyone else is a P90. But we did an entire show just on pickups. Wow. And, and it was fascinating. I mean, we completely geeked out. And and I know that you have you have a P100. Well, right? no, I have a I have a okay, so the my P90 is called the PX90. Okay. Not to be confused with the workout, the P90X. Right. <laughs> That's right. But it's the PX90, and then the PX100 is the same P90, but in a humbucker-sized housing to retrofit for like a Les Paul or an SG or something. Oh, like that. that's very cool. And also that people put humbuckers and strats. It's also a good one to put in there. The Super Eight. So, the, so both my humbuckers, the uh, PX8 and the PX. Super 8 are okay. only eight magnet pickups. So the the Super 8 is also high output and is more Van Halen than any other pickup. I'm just going to go out on a limb yep. and, and be as bold as <laughs> I, I can to say that it's the most Van Halen pickup there is. I because love that. I, because it's like, I mean... I'm I'm a geek too. Like we keep talking about it, we're geeks and nerds, but we we use our ears to establish what we like and what we don't like. And I, you know, I had a Super Eight and a guitar that I was using with Bon Jovi, right. and I was playing. I played something like I don't know, say I was playing "Raise Your Hands" or something. And then the next day, John Shanks, who produced the last Van Halen record, Eddie gave him a pickup. Okay. And, and in turn. Mm -hmm. John came up to me and said, hey, I got a pickup for you. And I'm like, oh, what is this? He goes, this is an Eddie Van Halen pickup. He goes, well, like a Duncan or like who made it? And he goes, no, Eddie gave me this pickup. And wow. I'm like, yeah. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. Now, 
this is where you have to cross the line and be a, a dick. Because literally, I go to my tech at the time, Mark Van Gould, drop this in the green sparkle for Raise Your Hands tonight. So he drops the pickup in, and I go to play it on stage. As I'm playing, I have a mic behind me if I have to talk to him or the monitor guy. Okay. A little more John's acoustic, or um, I'm out of gum, or I need more water, or I, I just broke a string. I talk into this microphone, and, okay. here, and, and what I need is what I get. But I just, I'm playing in the middle of the song. I, I go and talk to the mic and go, is it just me or does my Super 8 sound more Van Halen than any Van Halen's pickup? And he said, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. And so that was kind of funny how that went. I mean, not not to, uh, I don't know, not to harp on other, you know, Eddie Van Halen having his own pickup and it not sounding as much like him. Right. Uh, I just know that you know and eddie always said how he was a tone chaser and stuff like that and i always like i want to get on a podium and say you had it what are you chasing you had it in 82 it was the best tone ever you know fair warning so right. the original frankenstrike you mean yeah or you yeah. know and he, so he played les paul's and an sg on that and stuff like that it was just it's always his hands but he yeah. always used the same marshall at the time and and always uh, you know, they talk about the Variac and all the kind of stuff. It, it, it always sounds like him no matter what. Well, the, the thing that was devastating about Ed's passing was that it was so devastating. But right. for, for the rest of the world, it, it seemed like all this stuff just surfaced on YouTube and all this stuff that we never saw before. Photos, all this stuff from back in the 70s and the 80s and all this stuff that you never saw before just surfaced when he passed. So that was like a gift to us, I think. I, I think you're right. I do. But when you like, you know, like he's in somebody's basement playing on somebody's strat and it's, it's got a single coil in it and he's plugged in the, you don't know what, and he's just fooling around. It sounds like him. Right. So, you know, you have the guys that, that have the Eddie Van Halen guitar with the Eddie Van Halen pickup and the Eddie Van Halen amp, and they turn the gain as far as they can up, and they start playing Van Halen. And to me, I'm like, oh my god, you know, uh, it's, it's they don't have the, the the fire. Like I'm lucky. I mean, I'm sorry to already jump into Eddie Van. No, Halen. no, this is what we want. This is exactly I, what we want. I, I'm I'm old enough to I saw the Women and Children First tour. I saw the. Um, I saw the Fair Warning tour, the Diver Down tour. I saw the 1984 tour. I saw Van Halen with Froth four times before they parted ways. Right. And I was 14 at that first concert. And it not only ripped my face off, it changed my life. Like, and it, you know, it wasn't even, man, I got to go home and learn those licks. It wasn't that. Cause I knew even at a young age that there's already an Eddie Van Halen. I need to be me. So I stopped tapping. I stopped using a bar at some point. I just wanted it to be I, anything that sounds like that. I can't do kind of thing. So, but it's, it's funny how it's what ingrained in me was uh, his inventiveness and like, not only how he played, but how he made guitars look like he started this whole thing, oh, but yeah. it was always fire and joy. Yes. Because they're in his face. Yes, there was the joy and the fire, and you see, yeah. uh, out of a hundred players on Instagram that play Van Halen stuff, there's like one that has the joy and the fire. 
Yeah. And everybody yeah. else is just going through the motions or maybe they could be accurate. They could be accurate, accurate as hell. But if I don't, if I don't see the fire and the joy and you don't do a backflip, I'm not, I don't care. No, you know, it, it's, it's, I have to bring it up as a lawyer. And I mentioned to you before the show that, you know, I'm, I'm a trial lawyer by profession during the day. Yeah. And there, there are some greats in my field. And, and there's a lot of folks who try to do sort of this mimicry of what they, they go to a seminar and they watch, you know, some of the luminaries in my field and they'll do like a plug and play. And they may or may not get a great result, but it's not to use a word you and I were chatting about about 40 minutes ago. It's not authentic, you know, right. and, and all over YouTube. It's so resonant with me what you're saying, which is that. You know, you have people who play the notes just as fast and seemingly perfectly, but it ain't him. And it's like the Tone King said. Scott reminded me, um, Tone King was on with us. He said it's the magician, not the or it's uh, the magician, not the magic wand. You know, my favorite. Yeah, it's the Indian, not the arrow. Oh, I love that one too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because you know I researched your town um, back from Canada. Yep. And it is, do you, do you know here? All right, this is Jeopardy now. What is the, first of all, I can't pronounce it. Mississauga? How do you pronounce the name of your? Oh, that's Mississauga. Mrs. I can't even do it. All right, what does that mean? In, in uh, native uh, Canadian? I have yes. no idea. I just, I mean, it's all over the place. Anywhere you go, there's streets named like Ontario, the province, right? Here yeah. Ontario, here on Indians. It's, it's all like Mississauga is one of those. Uh, I don't know if it means something or if it was somebody's name. Oh, I do. But, uh -oh. <laughs> it is, I did. It's it's the Great River Mouth, which is such a – your town looks very cool, by the way, the town you grew up in. I, I looked at it. Yeah. The, it was, the Great I mean, River Mouth. Yeah. My, my one sister still lives in Mississauga. Um, I, you know, I have great memories. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of stuff in Toronto that I have great memories, and I love going back yes. to visit. But, you know, I moved to – LA in 97 and uh that's when stuff really started happening like I mean that's people like what about triumph you were in triumph triumph was amazing but also weird because even the guys felt like they were going on because they thought they needed to go on and interesting our player and I, I talked to Gil every other month or so like we just call each other if i go up to visit family in toronto he's like right. hey can you metalworks and record and and i'll do that but you know and i saw mike a couple of years ago as well but every time gil wants to go to tim hortons hey philly you in town let's go to tim hortons <laughs> i'm like all right bud so but so the friendship is still there yeah um, it's just everybody. It was it was weird for me because I was supposed to be this hot shot gunslinger that came in to help the band move forward, right? And, and when I tried to do my thing, it was kind of like, well, that's a little weird for Triumph. Um, oh, they wanted to be formulaic. Uh, I don't know. If formulaic is the word. I think it was. Um, I think that they the guidelines were a lot narrower than I thought. Okay. You know, if you want to formulaic kind of works but they you know it was the first time that gil was singing all the songs so that was another thing are you still there yep yeah i oh. am he gave scott gave you the whole screen whoa <laughs> on purpose 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, and I, I, I loved playing with the guys. We all had, I learned so much. Like, I mean, I, I always go into a situation as, as a sponge Mm -hmm. learn like these guys have been doing it for so long i learned a lot from aldonova when i played with aldonova when i was in the canadian band frozen ghost i learned so much from arnold lanny the the uh the producer songwriter and singer of that band um and then you know you go down the the, the road of being a side guy and then you're like i don't want to be a side guy anymore man i gotta i write my own songs why can't i have my own band to do my own thing and and then but then when i moved to la there's a million bands that are doing their own thing and right. 40,000 bands in the LA weekly every week playing, you know, one of five sets seven nights a week, a uh, hundred clubs a week. It was crazy. So I knew we had to do something that helped us stand out as a band. But as I was doing the band powder with my first wife, I also became the, uh, the session guy. So I started playing on records and that went from Tommy Lee's Methods of Mayhem to Rob Zombie to Alice Cooper to, and then another venue, which was more pop, which was Avril Lavigne and Kelly Clarkson. And then I, the Daughtry record that I played, all the guitars on except for one slash cameo solo became a calling card. It wasn't right. even, nobody knew my name still. They were like, hey, get that guy that did the Daughtry record. And then, hey, did you do the Daughtry record? Uh, yeah, yeah. We saw the name. We didn't think it was real. So you're you're actually Phil X. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. So you know, you know, it's funny it, how that went. You know, it's it's interesting because sometimes the universe has really great plans for us, and we don't know what they are. We think we think we know what the plan is, and yeah. and, and we go in a certain like, direction. I you think know. Right. I, th I think so. Hey. <laughs> As my kids jumps in the shot. Um, <laughs> That was Xavier, and he's nine. And he's oh, what a cool name! Yeah, well, Professor Xavier, I was huge. X -Men oh, fan. I love that. Yeah. So, it's um, you know, it's it's funny how you sometimes you're you trip into your fate. Yes. Sometimes you just walk, you glide into it. So it depends, you know. I mean, I think there's different aspects of it. For me, as soon as I started doing the the session thing, being a songwriter and trying to not like i feel like everybody starts like there was a session where the producer came in and said big chorus something jangly on top with the and done but then after you do like three songs and you've done exactly that i'm like to the engineer i go we got dude everything's starting to sound like a car commercial we got to do something else this is a big chorus but then i got an idea let's do this because i know the chorus is king i know the chorus has to be the biggest the climax of the song mm -hmm. so right. and you have to support the vocal <clears throat> excuse me without taking away from the vocal so i i knew all these things these steps that had to occur so and then he's going oh i don't know and then I would do it and he'd go, oh my God, it's amazing. And then the next song, hey, I got an idea for this. So I kept coming up with different things because you're working on a record. You don't want every song to sound the same. So, so the next time I came in, the producer walked in and said, oh, it's you. Yeah, just do your thing. I'll be back in five hours. That so is fantastic. I saw the graduation of uh, It's You uh, from the guy that just walked in to kind of like appease the artist to the guy that made everything sound amazing. So that was an amazing uh, 
journey. Feeling. Oh, feeling is even better. Amazing journey, yeah. amazing yeah. feeling. You always feel like, wow, I'm doing my thing and other people are getting it. So that's, I think that's what led to me being one of the top guys for a while, while it was a huge thing here. <clears throat> Everything changes, right? You know, yeah. like budgets went diminished. Uh, labels didn't know what they were doing for mm -hmm. a while. And, yeah. And, but we were still working. So I'm very grateful for that. But, you know, it, it sounds to me, so it, it's almost a question of, well, how will your inner creativity manifest itself? And you thought, all right, maybe I, I will make my uh, make my way, you know, songwriting. But you have, a, in addition to that, you've got a different kind of creativity that found its way in the studio where you're able to bring things to the fore that the folks who wrote the songs and the other musicians weren't able to. So you're still being that same completely creative guy yeah. and you're, and you're adding things. But I, but yeah. my brain is different though. I, I okay. have to my brain because there's like a, when I was working on the Alice Cooper record, brutal planet with Bob Marlette. So, you know, it, it's rock and roll land, right? So yeah. Rob Zombie's golfing with Alice Cooper and Alice is like, I need to get a really cool guitar player on this new record. Uh, that Bob Marlette's producing, and Rob says, well, you got to get this guy Phil X. He's playing on my new record, and he comes up with the craziest stuff. And then, so Rob comes into the studio the next day I'm in with him, and he goes, did Alice call you yet? And I'm like, Alice who? And he goes, uh, Alice Cooper, I gave him your number. He's going to, I'm like, right. I'm a huge Alice Cooper fan, right? He's going right. to call me, right. Like, I, not believing it. So Alice didn't call, but Bob, Mar Bob Marlette did, and he goes, hey, uh, and his, he had kind of had a Oh shit! Another guitar player I've never heard of. He's gonna come in here and suck. Right, and right. Then, uh, he had that attitude. So when I went into the studio, he literally, um, okay, I got a couple of tunes that you can play on. Uh, I did all the rhythm guitars and the uh, bass myself. So I'm just looking for pixie dust. Go. And then he started playing this track, and I just started playing something. And he goes, "Oh my god, that was great." Can you double it? I'm like, I need to hear it because I have no idea what I did. So I hear it. I double it. And he goes, you know, I, I only plan to do two songs. But if you come back on Friday, I'd love to get you in another nine. And I'm like, oh, sure. OK. So it went like that. And then when you're working on the next batch, you're like, OK, what can I do in this song that I haven't done yet? So I literally was playing this riff and I wished I had a really high note. But because of the key I was in, I couldn't hit harmonic. So okay. I the screw off, so the neck pickup of the Les Paul, and I tucked the high E string under the screw, and I screwed it back in, tuned it to the note I wanted, and then I was going really low drop C riff with the really high note that's under the pickup screw. And he turned around, and he looked at me, and he's like, what the f And I was like, I, was, I wanted to be like, right? <laughs> but I was like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, just something. And um, so I did that, and then, and then he started telling people. There's all these people coming up to me from uh, the singer from Saliva to other bands that Bob Marlette was recording, going, "Dude, I heard about that pickup and the screw thing, and thought that's amazing. How'd you come up with that?" And I'm like, oh, "Man, that's my brain. My brain wants to do something. It's like, and that's another thing I got from Ed. Right? He made the the guitar that he wanted because it wasn't available to the public. Right, right. He walk into a store." and and buy it so he made it so with me it's licks 
if I can't, I'll try different tunings. I'll try different things. I'll try different string thing. Like I have a thing called a bazooki tuning thing where both the E and the B string are tuned to B, but they're also sitting in the same nut notch so that the, the metal rubs and it adds this really crazy flavor to the the guitar. And I was doing that. And it was funny because I worked on the Gavin DeGraw record, uh, Kelly Clarkson record, and somebody else's record I can't remember right now. It might have been Norianti song. Um might have been anyways so i i kind of you go in there and you get into your brain and you do stuff but i kind of did a bazooki counter melody and all three artists song okay very cool not cool no I was, oh because I was it's overlap i'm repeating myself okay and i didn't realize this until i was at the gym and i'm on the elliptical machine and all three songs play back to back and now when you're on the elliptical machine and you hear your guitar on the on the over, you know, the, the, the system, you're kind of like, I'm going to kick this elliptical machine. Ass. <laughs> right. But at the That's same only time, PG. you're OK. You're OK with that word. At the, at the same time, you're kind of like, ooh, I got to give the bazooka tuning a break for a bit. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But you, you know, don't you, that you're the only one critical of that. Like. I think everyone else is probably quite happy with what you did. And that's a great thing of what you're, you know, because you're aspiring to get as high as you can get. Well, and, and it's nice to know that I'm the guy that, that did that. And then when you walk into a studio where Scott Humphrey's producing somewhere else and, and they have a guitar with my bazooka tuning on the wall and I'm like, what's wow. that? Oh, we call it the chop shop tuning. I'm like, shouldn't it be called the Phil X tuning? Bazooka that's tuning? right. That's right. And then, and then or I'd be working on a Our Lady Peace record with uh, Bob Rock and Rain goes, hey, man, do that bazooka tuning thing. And I do that. And even Bob Rock goes, I'm going to steal that. And I go, everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good feeling, though. Imitation yeah. is the greatest form of flattery, as they say. It, it really is. You know, it's nice to get the credit. Like, uh, yeah, because that's what I see a lot of now. People are are not afraid to pass the credit along for instance i see these guys doing uh reels and they're going hey man check out this phil x lick and i'm like what? oh that's that's flattering and nice that you you know said my name that's kind of cool it is cool and, and it, it that, that's a nice way to live your life in a very round world you know yes. it, it's it's good yeah. karma you know yeah, sure. that's a good that's a good point yeah once in a while i come up with it but uh so <laughs> So so let's I, I want to go backwards a little bit now, if we okay, could. Let's talk about how did you originally get hooked up with Bon Jovi? What, what's the backstory there? Um, John Shanks, who at the time had already produced some records uh, with uh, with Bon Jovi and co-wrote with John and Richie and all they had this history now, a bunch of records. Right. Uh, I think the first song they did together was Have a Nice Day. And okay. um, and moving onward, they did a country record together and some other records and stuff. And he, he is a guitar collector. So he's got 50s and 60s and 70s, Les Pauls, Tellys, Strats, uh, SGs, 335s, Trini Lopez's. He's got them all, right? He's, he's a collector. Right. So when I was doing the vintage guitar demos for Fredit Americana, uh, they were taking off at, at one point that we had no idea what it meant. We were getting 50 million collective views 
throughout all the videos would we'd put that's up. insane and we didn't even know what we were doing we just and it started like hey here's the treble pickup here's the neck pickup and right. see you next week and it turned into me just singing and screaming van halen zeppelin and funk 49 by james gang and acdc and being my my personality came out and when that happened bam now they're 10 minutes long and then they're 12 minutes long and then they're 13 minutes long and the band my band gets on into the studio and plays a song with that guitar okay it was it grew and grew and grew and then at some point it wasn't funny anymore so it stopped but if you went on if you went to any engine search engine and put in gibson les paul at least one of my videos would be in the top three top wow okay so it'd be oh and if you didn't know me you go oh i I like that les paul and then you'd be introduced to me and what happened to a lot of people who I heard from, obviously, and John Shanks is one of those guys. He discovered me looking for a Les Paul. I, I was playing the Les Paul, and he said he just went down the rabbit hole and couldn't stop watching my videos. Wow. Because the equal parts of funny, uh, shredding, singing, all that stuff. And nerding so, out, I guess, right? And Sorry? Were you nerding out back then, or is it... Um, or was that... It, more musicianship than gear back then, right? No, I think it was the comedy, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> All right. But he said, um, and he came up to me. I was He had a studio at Henson, and I was at Henson Studios with uh, a project. And he, somebody said that Phil X was in Studio D, so he just marched to Studio D, walked to where I was, and he said, you're a funny mofo. And I'm like, <laughs> and he goes, I just couldn't stop watching your videos last night. And I'm like, wow, well, thanks. He goes, and it sounds like you can play and sing anything. So congratulations, man. I'm a fan. And I was like, wow, that's, thank you. And um, and then he got my number from someone and he called me and he says, I got a gig for you. And I'm like, what is it? He goes, well, I can't tell you over the phone. Wow. <laughs> so wow. come by my studio tomorrow and I'll fill you in. And I'm like. Okay. And that's it. I went into the studio the next day and, uh, and, uh, he put a contract and a statement of confidentiality right in front of me. And he said, how do you feel about filling in for Ruchi Sambora? And I'm like, is that even possible? Like, I I don't even know what you're saying. What do you mean? He goes, well, he's, uh, you know, he hasn't been very reliable lately and John doesn't want to be caught in a situation where they can't perform. So he needs a guy ready to walk on stage and do a Bon Jovi show in his place. And I'm like, no, that's not possible. And he goes, <laughs> it is. And I told John that you're the guy. Wow. And here's the contract. And here's a statement of confidentiality. Live with everything for a couple of days and hit me back. Cause, and I was completely blown away. So I was a huge fan of Slippery When Wet and New Jersey yeah. and even Keep the Faith I thought was a great record but so many records that come out that I had no idea because I kind of moved on to other bands and stuff like that you know I loved the grunge era in the 90s so okay I didn't listen to Bon Jovi at that time so when I thought you know when they gave me a list of songs I knew everything off Slippery When Wet and um and and New Jersey and then oh what 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 a these 30 songs. Wow. 
So what was, what was your inner dialogue? Like, was there a time? So we go back. So you got these two contracts placed in front of you. In that moment, did you have any reservations about signing? Were you thinking? I, I literally thought there's no way anybody can do jump on that stage and not get tomatoes thrown at them. So that was your resistance. Was, was not you weren't interested, but, oh, my God, I don't know if I can do this. Well, you know, it's it's a it's I don't know. I didn't think anybody could do it. I didn't think it was yeah. a, a feasible situation for like. And then I thought, OK, dude. If you're going to get somebody, you might as well do it. That, that would have been. Then, yeah. They sent me uh, DVDs from 2010 shows. And they said, learn the live versions of these songs um and but learn it close to the record so i had to learn everything the on yeah. the, from the record and then learn live versions and then watch john and how he cues the band and how he does an intro of a song and how the band kicks in and there was a lot that was a lot of homework and i bet and then it was kind of like uh so i'm playing to a dvd from tokyo in 2010 in my living room to my dogs with like a mic and my a pocket marshal for my guitar and a music stand with lyrics on it and i'm going through the set and there was one night and this is where i believe in fate and this is where i believe in a sign okay. one night i was like yeah i don't want to do this this is way too much work and and i might not even get called i'm gonna be this guy on the side that is there just in case you were the understudy right so as that happened i was like ah screw it i'm not doing it you know throw the guitar down put the tv on put hbo on and there's a bon jovi documentary wow so that was the saying that that was in my vernacular that was the universe talking to you yeah for sure yeah wow and that was uh and my dad too so it was kind of like a uh okay yeah i guess i'm doing it so then i continued to finish the set and then went on and on and then it was april uh 2014 no wait april 14 2011 okay john called and said hey bill and i didn't answer the phone because it was a strange number right unknown right right and then messages phil x John Bon Jovi calling. I'm calling. <laughs> Come <Coming> back. <laughs> so I call him back and I go, hey, bud. Because we, we literally did something together in uh, 1990 or 1991. I actually played on his version of Levon for the really? record. And that was um, because Aldenova I was touring with was on John's label. So okay. they co-wrote and co-produced that record blood on the bricks so and bon jovi as a band was on a hiatus and he said hey aldo why don't you bring your band to my house and we're going to record this elton john song that i need to record so and that's how that worked but then i know like he meets how many people a day i know he probably right. forgot me right right people goes that must have been why he no it wasn't there's no way but he maybe he recognized my name and i kept in touch with matt Bon Jovi and Tony Bon Jovi and they're like who's why do I know the name Phil X and he said he was in Aldo's band and, 
And then he, he was reminded. So when he called, he was basically, uh, hey, so I haven't, what have you been doing for 20 years? You're just a session cat in L.A. And we, you know, caught up a little bit. But then he goes, look, all I need you to do is show up with a tooth hour and a 30 minute set under your belt, ready to go, and you'll do fine. <laughs> that's all that's all that's all <laughs> yeah nothing um, more than that yeah well he said you know they wanted to fly me to new york to rehearse with the band for a couple of days and put me on hold for may okay so lo and behold more fate happening as i'm flying when i land in new york i hear that richie has checked into rehab oh okay so john came up to me and goes hey did you hear about richie checking into rehab i go yeah he goes i guess you're doing may so we're playing the jazz fest, 50,000 people on Saturday. And then uh, you'll be sticking around for a bit. <laughs> wow. Like, just like that. Just like that. Wow. So we rehearsed for a couple of days and it was like, not like long days. It was a few hours one day, a few hours the next day. And then I was in front of 50,000 people. Wow. And, uh, but you, you knew the audience, uh, the really hardcore fans knew that Richie was in uh, rehab but still there's 50,000 people going who the hell is that guy right so, and john didn't say anything until the uh, the encore which i felt was kind of weird like he you, i thought maybe he'd say hey i want to thank phil x for helping us out like early on to just right right just so it's to set an icebreaker yeah so like what's going on to settle that yeah but no he waited to the encore and the funniest thing was he says my name and you see 50,000 people Google me on their phone. <laughs> That's <laughs> so crazy. So, I mean, I, I, you know, people ask me if I was nervous, but I really didn't have time to be nervous. I really had to, like, I really had to stay out of my brain and just be, look, dude, you've been playing and singing your entire life. This is just yeah. Bon Jovi songs. You totally got this. And then that's what helped me get through it. And that's what, uh, you know, did 13 shows and that was and then richie came back which was awesome because i right. thought my 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 favorite bon jovi is you know want seeing richie on stage so right you know. now did you ever share a stage with him or you were only there when he wasn't uh so in 2013 he disappeared and i got the call to come in and fill in again thinking that he'd come back again but he didn't come back so i've kind of been there since 2013 he okay. officially quit in 2014 and in 2016 bon jovi put out um uh, this house is not for sale which i played on not every song but i played on a lot of it and then uh i was on that uh obviously been on those tours and stuff the where we did play together was the rock and roll hall of fame okay where, uh, they were inducted and it was the band all the original members plus Hugh McDonald because he's been there for 25 years or something. Okay. So that was them, but we all played together and it was, it was very interesting to say the least. I bet. So yeah, I bet it was now in the first instance, in terms of a milestone in your career and your life, what, what did it feel like to be playing at that as a gig? Um, you know, talk, talking about that stuff was, uh, it's, it's very interesting. I remember we were touring at the time in 2000. Oh, now I got my dog. 
Oh, that's a good looking oh. dog. Yeah, he's handsome. Yeah. This is Gatsby. He's serving dinner right now. He is. Gatsby's serving dinner. Awesome. Right <laughs> so on, we we literally uh and it was funny because I, I did an interview with Piero in Pennsylvania on a radio, radio station, like in the arena that we were playing that night. He oh goes, wow. And he goes, dude, you just played on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame stage with Bon Jovi. What was that like? And I was like, crowded. <laughs> oh, I, it, it, is it just really compressed? No, it was the seven-piece touring act plus oh. Richie making oh. it eight, plus Alec making it nine. So you looked across the stage and it looked it looked like, uh, I don't know, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Right, yeah, it was very guitar-heavy. But it was... Um, it was pretty amazing. Like, I mean, it was great. To, it was a great night because we got to see the cars and my family was there. And my, my, my wife, Lindy, was there. And my mom was there, came down for it. And Gage, our oldest, was there. And uh, it was a very family-oriented thing. So That's very cool. And it looks, you froze up for a sec, so I'll keep chatting till you unfreeze. And I don't know if you can hear me, but uh, Scott's buddy, Al Such, apparently was there. We're going to wait for you to unfreeze. Um... Guitar Tales with Dave Cohen will return in a moment. As soon as we figure out what the heck is wrong with this stupid thing. And we are back with Phil X. We had a few moments of technical difficulties. Now we have a dog interfering with things. Um, but, you know, Phil, one of the things that uh, Scott has a video of, which is just amazing to me, that one of your guitars became airborne. What's the story behind that, that video? Um, okay, so I, uh, okay, so obviously I play, you know, I play with Bon Jovi, but I also play with uh, Phil X and the Drills, and I also play with, uh, and there's another artist I've been working with. His name is Kurt Dimer. And uh, we've been, Kurt's been opening up for anybody from uh, Jeff Tate last fall to, not last fall, but a year ago fall. Um, then we opened up for Angry Malmsteen for the month of May this year. And then we opened up for Tesla. Wow. And okay. I feel like, you know, you get 35 minutes to make your point. And uh, he wasn't really advertised. And... I mean, there were times where I would go on Instagram and go, hey, I'm playing at this place in Texas with uh, Kurt tonight opening for Tesla. And uh, people come up to me after the show and go, man, I didn't know you were playing tonight. Um, so it just makes me believe that you have to post, post, post and content, content, because people follow so many people that yep. in a thread, you miss stuff all the time. But my whole point was that we there's got to be something that happens at the end of the the show that makes people want you not to leave the stage like right as yeah, opening yeah. Up. so you know we all we do a finale i mean i've always done a finale in all the bands that i'm in i'm in uh but i mean i don't drive the bon jovi bus that's john right 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 if i'm on stage and john's not on stage i'm throwing guitars and and whipping guitars around my shoulder and stuff like that so um i like that kind of thing where it's rock and roll man it came from the who you know, yep, yep. he's going over his drums. Uh, Pete, Pete Townsend throwing the guitar up. Guys throwing guitars to their techs. So uh, I'm I'm a classic rock fanatic and looking for the energy one night. Uh, 
I, I tossed my guitar, I think the first time, the first time might have been last year with Jeff. I threw it at Guitar Tech Bones. His name is Sammy Bones. And he caught it like a champ. Wow. Caught it like a champ. I'm like, I'm doing this every night. I love it. I Obviously, love it. if you would have caught it and dropped it or shit his pants or something like that, that wouldn't have worked, right? But he caught it like a pro. So he caught it, and then the next night I did it again, and then I did it again, and then he's always looking for it. And then there's sometimes I'd go for hang time, and sometimes I'd go for distance. And he I like it. Sticks his hand out. It goes in his giant mitt, and he puts it <laughs> in the guitar case ready for the next show. So um, there was a couple of guys that, knew this was going down so they stood beside sammy when i tossed it a couple of nights and caught great footage of it oh that's fantastic scott let's take a look at that you can see that i'm looking to see that he catches it i can see that but it's it, it it's that's ballsy man well, the thing is, too, is that we had changed tax mid-tour. Okay. So the guy before, I won't say his name, he probably would have crapped his pants if I threw a guitar at him. And, and so, that would be awkward for a show, if, you know, like if someone literally yeah. crapped their pants so, up there. That would be awkward. But yeah. Sammy, I kind of, you know, very confident dude, very, like, uh, hands-on. What do you need? They, hey, let me label everything for you. I'm going to mark down all your, your settings so I never get it wrong. And that guy. So, bam, throw him the guitar, catches it like a pro, move on. Every show since. Unless wow. there is absolutely no room as the opening act and we've got no stage, then, you know, it's like handing it to him. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That is but great. When, when we can go... When we can get some, hey, there was one shot from the last tour. Uh, I think we were opening for uh, Drowning Pool. Okay. And the way I tossed it, it did this little spinner root. Uh, but show, that, show us again. That was good on the camera. Can you show us that again? Like that. Now, if I it like it. Guitar, you'd see yeah. it. They're like, man, how'd you put a spin on it like that? And I go, uh, I've been working on it. No, I had no idea that it was going to spin. Like, I mean, when I just toss, I just toss. That's I hope very good stuff. I'm to find that footage. It's on Instagram somewhere. That would be All cool. right, we'll have to get that. That's yeah. very cool. So I, I was thinking, you and I, when we were chatting uh, before we uh, went on the air, talking about positivity, and I know you're all about positivity, and you shared with me a very cool Disney World story that, that I think is just so infused with pos positivity. I'd love to hear it again. Well, my, like, I try to be uh, a certain way with my kids. I want them to be positive. I want them to, you know, have uh, an enlightened uh, look upon the world kind of thing. So when it was torrential, uh, torrential downpouring on us at Disney World in Orlando one night, and I looked at my son, and he just put his hands out, and he said, I wish everyone could feel this happiness and wow. and you had him on video for that right I have him on video man i have him on video and he's maybe six so he just he he became that guy and i, I really wow. was really proud of what he said 
and it you know it pulls on your heartstrings and puts a tear in your eye and it's magical moment as a dad you know yeah. and then you know the other part of the story was wearing red adidas suede red red suede adidas and um the dye from the shoe turning my toenails perfectly pink perfectly pink perfectly pink it was like you know i wouldn't be surprised I me mean, wow did you let your daughter paint your toenails kind of thing right, right, looked, right. really like for some reason it was not my feet just the toenails pink and then i had to fly to dieseldorf the next day to rejoin uh, the bon jovi tour so i owned it pink toenails at the airport in sandals right <laughs> i had that's all i had i had one pair of shoes that was in the garbage now and flip-flops that is a start. So, and, so you're, yeah. And I'd rather have pink toenails and flip flops than wear socks and flip flops. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, right. I, if you're 90, you're too young to do that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So then yeah. there's another piece of the story. So you get recognized. Don't you get recognized in the airport? Oh, no. Okay. So as a musician, not as Phil X, like I get recognized right. at, mostly at airports, but this was right. looking in the sunglass hut or whatever. That's trying right. to find some new sunglasses and the singer from uh fastball okay came up to me and i'm like uh he's taught starts talking to me and and uh i go you know you look familiar he goes yeah i'm in a band called fastball you play too right i go yeah you can tell by the hair right he goes no the toenails <laughs> that is <laughs> that is fantastic so uh, I got to tell you, this has been such an enjoyable time getting to know you and chatting with you. And, and we really want to thank you for joining us tonight. Well, thank you for asking me. Uh, I know scheduling has been weird lately because uh, it's, it's, it's the holidays. And uh, I'm glad that we could uh, find the time to do this because, again, we're geeks and nerds. Yep. And we love talking about guitar and we love talking about rock and roll and bands and things that inspire us and that's mm -hmm. all it's, that's what it's all about yep and kids right kids man make the world go around oh absolutely well felix what's next for you and then we'll sign off what does this um, uh 2023 look like for you oh so 2023 already within the last couple of weeks has been like woo, look out um i got invited to participate in joe satriani's g4 and wow Vegas, and that's january 3rd to the 7th okay and then Right after that, on the 10th, I'm going to go to Cincinnati and rehearse with Kurt Dimer. We're going to do two shows supporting Tesla in Texas again. One is Lubbock, which is a picket date that we couldn't do um, last, uh, when was that? October? No, September. And okay. then, and then um, so we're doing that, and we're also playing Fort Worth. So if you go see Tesla in January at those two shows, you're going to see me. In the Very cool. Kurt Dimer. So we kick ass, man. We have a really special thing. Uh, the songs are really strong, and uh, it's. I love being able to do to make art on different canvases. So I got the the Bon Jovi canvas over here. I got the Phil X and the Drills over here, and I was looking for something else to do where the songs were really, really important. And it wasn't me singing, but I've I've recorded with a lot of the best singers in the world. So I wanted to find someone who just had a character, and yep. that's Kurt definitely has a character to his voice and uh and we have a lot of fun the band is kick-ass and uh rock and roll rock and roll Let, let's sign out together
That's right. That's right. I did it wrong. I kind of pointed. There we go. There we go. And the well, flying guitar. That's right. The flying guitar. I like it. I, I can't really replicate what you're doing. I'll try it again. There we go. Yeah. I don't no, know. No, nah, I, I failed. It's an epic fail. Sorry about that. We'll leave it to you. You got the patent on that. So, Felix, again, thank you so much for joining us on Guitar Tales. I want to thank Scott Guitarmacist Engel for setting up the show, for working the board, for being the creative genius he is. Thank and, you, Scott. Uh, absolutely, man. He, we're looking at him right now. He's in the control room behind the scenes at uh, Noise Network Studios. We want to thank Charles Lorita of Mischief Studios, who is our sponsor. By the way, yep, you go. About Mischief Studios before. There should be a Mischief Studios in every city. There should be. We're going to tell uh, Charles man, that. Everything that they do from the studio to the store to the fixing guitars to, hey, you don't have a drummer? We got a drummer recording it's and all that true. stuff. All that sounds, I love it. That community just sounds incredible. There should be a community like that everywhere. Yeah, you should. Well, I'll, we'll send you the episode that Charles did. Gifted awesome. musician, great guy, and real generous soul, too. So we were really happy when he uh, came back to us and uh, became a sponsor of the show. Nice. And um, absolutely. And by the way, wait till you watch this bumper. Big Daddy, take it away. I'm number two. I'm number two. No, I was the second. That's right. I was the second one. The second on Guitar Tales, ladies and gentlemen. You're watching it right now. I'm Big Daddy M with the Amish Outlaws. I gotta go back to work. Here we go. Hi, this is Dave Cohen, host of Guitar Tales, and Scott Guitarist Angle. So we put together this show every week for you guys, or at least every other week. We want you to do two things for us, which would be good for everyone. If you could subscribe on our YouTube channel, that would be great. And, and share. Please share the videos around with your friends. Let them know Guitar Tales is out there. Uh, it's not just about guitar players. We have a lot to offer. Thank you.